When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for listening. I am Amanda. You can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. And today I am only joined by the more caustic half of my co-host situation here, Ryan. You can get him on Twitter at DCNatchak, which you should already know. Um, We're doing this for the DMV Sports Network. You can follow them at DMV underscore SN or check them out at the website dmvsportsnetwork.com. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, I'm currently Googling what that word meant. Um, (laughs) I believe the definition is something along the lines of severely sarcastic and critical. So I'm thinking that that (laughs) works for you. I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, uh, we're down Nick today. Nick is off living his best life. So it's just the two amigos. Yeah, that's all you guys get today. Sorry. Nick will be back next week. We'll have to. We've had a, not very many shows with all three of us lately, but I know it's it's been the the dog days of summer for our podcast. Everyone's off and doing exactly. their things. It's a grind, you know what they say about baseball. It's a grind. Exactly. Yes, and I did just compare us talking for an hour every week to major league baseball players. So there's that. I mean that research. <laughs> I know, right? All right. So speaking of research, why don't you give us your weekend recap? Yes, it was an absolute wild week in NL East. We start with the Marlins, who are 45 and 77. Um, Then we move on to the fourth place Mets after an absolute historic run, being claimed as the NL representative in the World Series in the month of July. Reality has come back, hit the Mets. They suck again. Uh, They are 64 and 60. They lost 2-3 to the Braves and split the first two against the Royals while beating them today, but it's the Royals. They really should have swept them. Um, the Mets believe uh, Edwin Diaz, they believe his resurgence right around the corner, and they are they absolutely trust him in high-leverage situations. Only problem is they're not using him in high-leverage situations. Uh, the Mets did have some very clutch hits against the Braves, though, so I will give them that. But they had a complete bullpen meltdown. Uh, Mickey Calloway said Drew Gagnon did a fantastic job. He gave up five runs and only got one out when the Mets were winning. Um, but there is a big positive the Mets. Uh, Pete Alonso set the NL rookie record home today, hitting his 40th home run. 
Never change, Mets. Mickey Calloway, you're a fool. And then we move on to the team that's tied with the Mets, the Phillies, and they had quite the week. Uh, they were struggling offensive all year long, so that leads to coaches being fired. And John Malley, uh, the hitting coach, was axed at the beginning of the week. The Phillies hired ex-manager Charlie Manuel to replace him. They are 4-2 and two since the firing. They swept off the Cubs, topped off by the top story on CNN the next morning. Not making that up. It was the top story on CNN, a Bryce Harper walk-off grand slam. Um, it was everywhere. Things were looking up for the Phillies, right? Wrong. Uh, Jake Arrieta shut down for remainder of the season. And then when it rains, it pours. At David Robertson, who signed a two-year, $23 million contract through 6.2 innings before hitting the IL. He is yet to return this year. Yesterday, it was announced he will need Tommy John, so his 2019 season is done. And his 2020 season is done as well. A team that was already pretty thin on pitching is down two big veteran pieces. I am playing a very small violin right now for the losses. Um, they dropped two in a row against the Tatis Jr. list Padres. They are 64 and 60. The Nats bounced back from the Mets series with a nice three-game sweep over the Reds. It did not come without drama, though, as former closer Sean Doolittle. Oh, that's right. I said former. Uh, continued to struggle. Ooh-wee. There were flashes of 2015 as Nationals manager Matt Williams, sorry, Dave Martinez, <laughs> uttered the phrase, he's our closer, over and over again. After Sean Dula had more issues in his outings, uh, he has since hit the IL. Dave Martinez has done a great job in the clubhouse, but time and time again, during important games, his misuse of the bullpen has shined more than it should. Nationals' four losses have come because of the bullpen in each and every single one of those games, except for the first meltdown against the Mets. You could have argued he was not doing the right thing with the bullpen. The Nats have a very talented, deep team, and unlike past years, this team actually rallies and does not give up. But on that matters, because this team will only go as far as their manager brain will take them. Um... They took two or three against the Brewers. We'll talk about that later. They are 67 and 56. The Braves take care of the Mets. They took two or three, and then they had a rematch of the NLDS of 2018. Um, and then they actually took two or three against the Dodgers as well. The Braves continue to win, but there's a little bit of drama. As Ender and Ciarte hits the IL, and then superstar Ronald Acuna thought he had a home run, didn't run it out, got benched for the rest of the game, punishing the entire team. Doesn't matter. They hit a, a go-ahead grand slam off the ginger carrot king. Um, and then they won that series. They are 74 and 52. And that was your extended look at a very hectic week in the NL East. It was crazy. It was crazy in baseball in general this week. But the NL East is just, they, they always bring the drama. They really do. I mean, I feel like every day I was getting a new update about like, oh, franchise record tied. This is going on. Like, then Elise is turning into the dogfight everyone thought it was going to be. And with that, we get drama. Yeah. And I we love do get drama. drama. And I have to say, speaking of records, I think that uh, Soto hit his 50th today, which makes yes. him, I think, one of only three now players in the Major League Baseball history who hit 50 homers before they turned 21, which is a pretty damn cool yeah. statistic. That guy's I mean, pretty good hit, at baseball, as it turns out. He hit two home runs today. Ronald Acuna got benched today. 
So that debate's completely solved. Uh, I know. So done. (laughs) You heard it here first. Yes, exactly. Hashtag facts. Hashtag facts. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So, yeah, the Analyst is wild. Um, I think it's safe to say at this point that barring some kind of unforeseen major meltdown by the Braves, that the the thought of them getting caught by the Nats is pretty much over. But the Nats are looking awfully oh, good in the wild card chase with a lot of big games, and they they had a really good week. And uh, they did. you know, obviously that game last night was really hard to take, especially when they had the freaking bases loaded with nobody out, and they should have won it in the ninth if Doolittle hadn't come in and stumped <laughs> the joint up. And yeah, so there were a lot of times when they should have won that game last night, and they didn't. But today kind of washed the taste of that away. They said bullpen's tired. We got you. Let's just have a tie the franchise record for most home runs hit in the game and just blow out the Brewers. So don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So I was listening to the game on the radio and I just, I had to work. So I kept getting in and out of the car. And every time I got back in, they would scored like three or four more runs. I was like, well, how am I not able to watch this game today? I'm so sad. I have it on my DVR though, so I can rewatch it later. But I always DVR them and then I only rewatch them if the Nats win. If I know they lose, I don't watch it. <laughs> Just sadly yep. delete it if they lose. Exactly. I just deleted. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's how we do it. All right. So let's talk the good, the bad, and the ugly for this week. Um, our good is Victor Robles, who is en fuego right now. Yeah, this was before today's game, so those numbers only went up. But he was the bad last week, and he responded this week, slashing 440, 464, 720. Um, I think he also had four outfield assists. Yeah. Oh, God. He's been, so, you know, it's funny because you think back to the terrible defense earlier in the year and how, I mean, there were some people on Twitter, they're idiots, those people on Twitter who were like, we should send him back down. He shouldn't be in the major jet. He needs blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what did he do with his bat was already worth putting up with the defensive struggles. But the guy's a rookie. And boy, yeah. has he rounded into form. I mean, the, is it 10 outfield assists now? It's just Crazy yeah. number. Yeah, I think he leads uh, NL center fielders with outfield assists. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So the whole the whole slash line for the last seven, and that was before today's game, because we're recording Sunday evening, so this doesn't have today's numbers in it. But um, prior to today, the last seven was 440, 464, 720 slash line, one homer, six RBI, seven strikeouts, eleven hits, four outfield assists. Those are some pretty good numbers. You just love to see it. You do. You love to see it. But <laughs> on the flip side, despite the fact that he had a pretty good game today, um, Jan Gomes in the last uh, seven before today was our bad, which was, yikes, uh, 056-227-056 slash line. Uh, six strikeouts, four walks, one hit, no RBI. <laughs> I mean... I mean- you don't, I don't love really to care see about <laughs> things you hate <laughs> to see. This. Yeah. I mean, like, this. I don't really care about a catcher's offensive production, but, like, my God, that is horrible. Because usually if a catcher's struggling offensively, you're like, all right, yeah, it's fine. Like, you know, he's going to be pretty rock solid back there. Jan Gomes isn't solid back there right now. So, yeah, And it's inexplicable because he's been so good in the recent past. And suddenly yeah. he's just been absolutely dismal this year. It just – it. If there's no injury and there's no indication that there is, it just doesn't make any sense. Maybe he needs cataract surgery. That's the only thing I'm going to accept. Yeah, or glasses, like Wild Thing Ricky Bond. I don't know. (laughs) 
I don't I don't know the answer to that, but it, you know, one thing that happened last night, I don't know if you caught it during that wild game, is that both uh, Suzuki and Gomes were on base at the same time. Not something you see every day. Wow. Jan Gomes was on base? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's not something you see every day either. Huh. <laughs> Kurt Suzuki <laughs> aside. Yeah. <laughs> That's not nice. It's true, but it's not nice. All right. Then our ugly, and I hate to say it, because we had a segment last week where we talked about Sean Doolittle and actually caught some flack on Twitter. People are not pleased when we are realistic about what's going on with Sean Doolittle. They are, um, yeah, facts hurt people's feelings. However, Doolittle has been bad lately. And as of today, he's on the IL. And I don't know if this is a phantom IL stint or if this is, you know, there's oh, really is. something going on with his knee. His knee is what they picked for some reason. But um, his last seven before, um, Hitting the, the IL is seven games, six innings pitched, four strikeouts, four is four saves, fourteen hits, ten earned runs, and a fifteen ERA, and that's seven point three two ERA over the last fifteen. So his his uh, earlier in the season he was fantastic, and that has not been the case for quite a while now. No, I mean. Last week we had this conversation. You could have you could have had the argument that like, oh, us talking about Sean Doolittle not being the closer that could have been an overreaction because it was after a meltdown against the Mets. But we have seen meltdown after meltdown ever since then. And then more alarmingly, his right. fast. Oh yeah, I mean his fastball was only ninety miles per hour last night, and so and right down the middle with no he, movement. Also, oh yeah, let me just throw ninety miles per hour to Christian Yelich. Like literally watching it last night, I was like. I mean, he gave up a home run to Yelich. Like, yeah, it was like batting practice. Everyone does it was that. Crazy. God, they were just teeing off. Yeah, and again, just like in the Mets series, I feel like it's so obvious when he came out. You could see after one or two batters that he didn't have it, and I don't understand why Martinez didn't pull him. I mean, I this he's our closer. It makes me nuts. But I mean, he obviously is either hurt or something's wrong. Something's going on with Doolittle. It's been obvious for a while, but you can <clears> see when yips. he doesn't have his stuff and why would you leave him in i mean why you have i understand in may why you leave him in because you didn't have anybody better but you do have better options now and it just makes no sense and i i feel like some of these everybody always says well it's the players who make the mistakes they're the ones responsible and that's true but davy martinez i think you can lay a lot of their recent losses and luckily there haven't been too many recent losses but you can lay a good portion of them directly at davy's feet because he just doesn't seem to be able to, he, he decides he's going to go to a pitcher and if it doesn't work out it's like he's 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 like a robot who's broken he, he can't he can't adjust on the fly and figure out like this isn't going to work let me go in another direction he's just incapable of, of making those in-game adjustments usually when a, you know a manager sees their pitcher only throwing 90 miles per hour they run out there and they take him out right away because clearly something's wrong Davey's like no no let's let's just have him face another one of the brewers the heart of the brewers lineup and that worries me is that he can't think quick enough on his feet to realize, all right, I got to take him out before we're done. Because when you're in the playoffs, you got to quick think like that. And if someone doesn't right. have to three pitches, you're done. <laughs> you can't right. afford exactly. it. Exactly. There's no tomorrow. You can't, you can't just wait and, you know, see what happens. And I have a feeling you're right that that's going to be an issue. If the, the Nats make the playoffs, and it's looking pretty good that they will at this point. You know, it's too early to, to be too confident about it. But, you know, I think if and when they're in the playoffs this year, Davies' inability to adjust 
to in-game situations is going to be the, the death knell of this team. So that's depressing. Anyway, yep. <laughs> so Doolittle is a fan favorite. He's very well-liked, but he has the yips, something terrible right now. And I think, is it too early to say that he may be losing his closer job? I don't think it's too early to say that anymore. I agree. And then we'll great segue because that's part of our Nats notes segment. We'll touch on that a little bit more in depth. Yes, we will. So there are a few things, other things going on other than the absolutely wild week they had on the diamond. They signed Greg Holland to a minor league deal. That was an interesting move. Yeah, they, he wasn't very good in Arizona, um, but he was good here last year and now they signed to mining deals basically like you know what if he pitches well great if not see ya but their entire bullpen is literally just exactly we're gonna take this this guy who didn't work out we're gonna take this guy who didn't work out i know yeah washed up relievers and mike rizzo are like peanut butter and jelly man (laughs) they go together nothing that man i don't know what it is i nothing that man i think he loves more than his own family (laughs) he loves washed up relievers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's interesting to me how they're always so willing. And I don't know how much of this is the learners and because they're just get, signing the checks, but Rizzo's the one building the roster. I don't understand why he or they are so willing to spend on starting pitching and so unwilling to spend. I know this year the situation with the, the luxury tax, but just in general over the course of Rizzo's tenure here, like so unwilling to spend on big name relievers. I feel like they they just have like an entire sense and belief that relievers as a whole are just so like I, I I can't remember the word for it right now, but like you have a reliever Matt Grace for example. Matt Grace was pretty good last year. This year he's god awful, and I feel like the Nats just think, oh, they're going to be good or bad. Like one year it doesn't really mean anything, so let's just keep doing low level guys, even though in reality. The elite guys make a lot of money. They're good every single year, and they're the ones who are winning big playoff right. games. But then the Nats, you know, B-level bullpen, they're getting hit in the big moments because they don't have that defining trait. They don't have the so shutdown guy. Just, yeah, it's just like yeah. their belief is, oh, let's just build every other position, and then, hey, these guys, they were good four or five years ago. They should be good this year. Right. Maybe they're going to be good again. Who knows? Yeah, and it, you know, let me take a moment to get on my soapbox about Matt Grace because, oh, my God, does it make me nuts that Matt Grace is still on this baseball team. It's, you know, everybody's freaking out about how Doolittle came in last night's game and, and promptly, you know, blew the save and gave up a bunch of runs. Matt Grace came in and gave up a bunch of runs, too, and everybody just accepts it. Like, it's not just because he sucks and we know he sucks doesn't make it acceptable. He is he just he has no place on a big league roster. He is bad. He is not good at pitching baseballs. He should not be here. His ERA is atrocious. He gives up huge runs all the time. And I don't understand why everybody acts like it's just, oh, he's just an innings eater. You, you can't go out there and just give up a bunch of runs every damn time you come into a baseball game. Like he's give, He has cost us a lot of games, more than Doolittle has, and everybody's you know writing Doolittle's obituary. And I don't understand why Grace gets a pass. It makes me crazy. So, Amanda. Off my there you go. Sorry. Amanda, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Makes I mean, me crazy. I just understand how many more times this guy can like survive. It's like Bob Henley. Every single time the Nats clean know, the house right? with their coaches every two years, Bob Henley's still standing. It makes no sense. 
<laughs> right. And, you know, last night when they, when they, the, the, he did a runner at third and he doesn't send him, I'm like, all the times you set the runner when you shouldn't have, and this is the moment you decide you're going to keep the runner at third. What the hell, Emily? That's literally the moment you send him. I know. In the first but the game would have been over <laughs> right then. I know. Yeah, it's, the game would have been over right then. And then, of course, and I said to my husband when it happened, I was like, they're going to load the bases and nobody will score. That's going to happen right now. And, of course, it did. Yep. So. Yeah, so there you go. That's my uh, my Matt Grace rant, followed by a small Bob Henley rant. Yeah. A little spicy tonight. Spicy. All right. Spicy. So, another Nats note. Um, talking about McGowan was called up. The, the little went to the IL today, which was uh, sort of convenient because he's playing at Harrisburg and they happen to be in Richmond today. So it wasn't a long trip for him. A lot better than Fresno. Oh, yeah. I think that's the only reason why he got called up. Because uh, actually, or maybe the Nats were like, man, we need a guy in our bullpen who can only throw low 90s fastballs. We love those type of guys. So Kyle McGowan right, got called with, up to With no Doolittle. Doolittle available, we better get <laughs> Kyle McGowan in here. Like, crap. Who's going to throw these meatballs now in the middle? And he got he got hit pretty well today. I mean, the game was over at that point. but Right. He's gone. Send him back down. I don't but care I think about that's it. the only hope the Nats have at this point is you, they have to be the the bullpen at times can be fantastic, but they're so inconsistent that the only hope the Nats have in the, you know as a postseason team is if their their lineup can stay hot enough to just score a crap ton of runs and hope it's enough yeah. for the bullpen not to blow the stay, not to blow the lead, which worked for us today, but not so much yesterday. I agree. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Doolittle. We just touched on this. Um, the question is, should he be stripped of his closer duty at this point? So, this one's tough because, as I said last week, no franchise is more loyal than the Nats, and we've already seen that when Davey was like, hey, you're still the closer. When you come back, no one, you haven't let anyone down. We're not disappointed in you. Go get right. You're going to be our closer. But I do think, though, because the Nats have a lot of guys with closer experience or potential. They got Holland, Rodney, Strickland, Hudson, um, uh, did I say Rodney? Yeah, I said Rodney. Uh, those four guys right there can all close. So I think, you know what? Let's have an open tryout during these next 10, probably 15 days. Doolittle's out. And if one guy goes out there and he's lights out every single time he closes, I think they kind of got to do it. They're not going to, and they're going to keep throwing Doolittle right. out there. But I feel like if you have someone hot, like you can't take him away. Cause especially with teams going away from like, roles in the bullpen they're basically just doing situations it's like oh ninth right. inning you got three lefties up we're gonna go to our lefty instead of our typical closer even though uh davy's like do, 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 do. i must put everyone in their design role even though teams are moving away from the that davy but... bot. yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i agree and i i think i think they probably will bring him right back and put him in. Just like with Zimmerman. If and when Zimmerman comes back, they're going to trot him out there to first base no matter what. It doesn't matter how well Kendrick's playing or how well, you know, Adams is playing. They're going to bring him out and they're going to put him out there every day. We're going to try to get him right. He's our first baseman. And it doesn't make any sense. I love Doolittle. I love Zimmerman. But, you know, you're in a playoff hunt. And it's really the first time in the history of this franchise that they've been in a wild card hunt down the stretch here. You have got to put out your best lineup every day and your best you know, put the best pitcher out there every day. Yep. The guy for you. And I, I don't think they, I don't know. I think it depends on the situation. If they're still 10 to 15 games over 500 and they've got a wild card spot locked up, I can see him going back to do little. But if it's really tight, I think that 
you know, loyalty has its limits and we might actually see them leave him sitting in the bullpen while they bring out <clears> the other guys because you can't let him get right on the mound in major league games if he's going out there and doing what he's been doing the last 10, 15 appearances. But the thing is, that's what they're going to keep doing. Like, they're like, okay, Doolittle needs to get over whatever he's going through right now. Um, It's not his arm fatigue. I have some stats with that real quick. Like, it's to me, it's something mental. And the natural and keep throwing him out there in the night thing is confidence back. And I just, I have a bad feeling about it just because this franchise has scarred me for life. But the thing that bothers me is that Doolittle keeps complaining about his workload and no other reliever complains about it. And so Doolittle by And month, it's not that much of a workload. I know. So thank you. Uh, great segue right there. So innings You're by welcome. month that Doolittle's pitched. He's thrown 1.2 in March, uh, 11.2 in April, 9 in May, 11 in June, 11 in July, 6.2 in August. He's never thrown three days in a row. He's thrown back-to-back six times this entire season. He's ranked 49th in innings about relievers. He's not really overworked, okay? This is a mental thing because Sean Doolittle, before his struggle started, by the way, first said something about his workload. Like, this is uncharted territory for me. I've never, I never pitched this month before. And so now he's convinced himself he's tired. This is my whole take on it, by the way. Don't. Oh, I see. I mean, we, have not, a, ain't, we have a conspiracy theory. We do. Conspiracy theorists right here. Um, he has convinced himself his arm is tired and it's all in his head. It's like a golfer. When the golfer has a really bad round, convince himself, crap, my short game's gone and the entire short game's gone for a while. Mm-hmm. See? I know. It just, it really bothers me because like he's not really overworked. And I hate when I see Nats fans who are like, give do a break. He literally just pitched three days ago. Stop throwing them out there. You throw, I mean like, the three innings, they are by three yesterday. That's when you throw out Doolittle. And yeah, I pitched the day before, but like he didn't really throw that many pitches. And maybe if Doolittle, you stop letting so many people get on, you won't be throwing so many pitches every single outing. Well, and you know what else? And, and I, I am sensitive to the fact that some relievers can't go, you know, a lot of innings, that some guys need more rest and all that. And if that's the case, if Doolittle's reached a point where that's the case, you know, that's fine, but you can't be the closer. Like a closer, you have to be able to throw back-to-back days. You have to be able to go out there and and give those those really high leverage innings. And mm-hmm. you know he's done it in the past. He's he's been great, and maybe he can get back to it. I hope he can. I like I said, I love the guy. I think he's when he's right, he's fantastic. But we've talked before, even his struggle started about how it's always made me nervous that he has one pitch. You know, when that pitch mm-hmm. isn't working, he's got nothing, and that's where we are right now. We're seeing that pitch isn't working, and he's got nothing, and you know, I hope he can get himself right. I really do. This bullpen is way better when Doolittle is right. But right now, you know, it almost, it, it's crazy to say, but the bullpen can be good at times. But you've got to make the right choices yeah. with them. And right now, Davey's not making the right choices with them. And Doolittle, I, I hope that this IL stint can get him where he needs to be. But right now, Doolittle is not a guy you can trust to put out. And that's going to make Doolittle Nats fans mad because lost. they hate it when you, when you tell people. <laughs> they hate to be told the truth. but. He is not. Yeah. He is not good enough right now to be even pitching, let alone to be our closest. Doolittle is the kicker who missed a couple big field goals, and he just like every time he goes out there, he's like shaking in the knees because he's absolutely terrified he's gonna miss it again. He keeps missing it because he's overthinking the situation. Because that dude is beyond lost, and um, I hope he 
figures something out, maybe goes on a nice vacation during this, rests his arm, rests his knee, whatever's bothering him, because his team really needs Doolittle right. Yes. And he does have his arm injury history, so there could be some concern with him about his arm, or maybe his arm is bothering him. Some of his past injuries are popping up, but this this lineup actually has potential to do something in the playoffs because of how deep it is, how wide open the NL is. But when that happens, they need Doolittle to be ready every single night. Like when the Cubs and the Indians went on their long runs, um, Chapman and Miller pitched in four games in the World Series and each pitched in four games in NLCS. And a lot of those were back to back to back. Can Doolittle do that? <laughs> I don't know if he can. Can we take a minute just on a slightly um, tangential topic here to talk about how mm-hmm. early in the season there was so much talk from you and from Nick about how the lineup for the Nats was not nearly as good as the lineup for the Phillies. <laughs> I mean, it's not. That um, for just a second. The Phillies have how many walk-off Grand Slams this week and how many do the Nats have this year? Exactly. Boom. Exactly. Boom. Argument over. Boom. This is like the this is like the Acuna Soto argument. It's just over. <laughs> boom. <laughs> I just lawyered you right there. You got nothing back. You're just going to keep saying boom and we can like, let's move on. Let's boom. move on for a minute. Now, the, the lineup, I'll tell you, the, the Nats are fun. And one thing that's been really cool about this season and is that I feel like this group of guys, one, they're really enjoying themselves. You know, it, it doesn't feel tight at all. It feels like they're really having a good time and they don't give up. You know, they get down and again, they came back. They lost last night, which sucked, but they came back four times. In that game, I, I mean, mentally, that is that is just a really hard thing to do to to have Doolittle come out and blow the lead like that, and then they didn't lay down and die, and then you know they they give up more, the bullpen gives up more runs, and they come back again, and they just it's it's really impressive to watch, and I love so much the way this group keeps fighting even in the losses. They never, you know, they never just kind of embarrass themselves, and so it makes me would, feel like they're a little different. Never see than, that. I mean, no, we the Nats came back so many times that Jack White left the game to go perform at his concert. And I was like, shoot, they're still playing. I have to see this Nats team because they just fight so much and I can't miss it. And came back to the game. So great job of the Nats for getting Jack White to come back and also playing a game longer than Jack White's concert. So round of applause for the Nats right there. That, yeah, I think that, great should, job. that should get some applause. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was, was the only thing probably... I want to talk about that game. <laughs> That was it. That's probably the wildest game they've played this year. There have been a few wild ones, but that last get, that was a crazy game last night. It had everything. And, of course, they lost, which you hate to see after all of that. But then they came back today. And, again, a lot of the previous year's Nats teams, like, that's a demoralizing loss last night. And they came out today and just, you know, mm-hmm. went crazy. The, the lineup was on fire. They're, they didn't come out like they were. They just forgot it. You know, they just forgot it and moved on. And that's something that you love to see. Yeah, and, like, you would never see that with his Nats teams. You know, maybe 2012, because 2012, they were loose, they were playing fine because no one expected anything. But all the other teams, whenever anything went wrong, the entire roster just completely broke. And they would all just, like, act like just a dead dog in the middle of the field. I had no idea, like, why is this happening to me? I don't understand. We're supposed to be incredible. But now they're loose, they're having fun. I don't know if it's Davies. You know, just stand there. Hey, guys, it's just the game attitude or it's the additions of Para and a bunch of other young, exciting players that has this team just nice and relaxed and actually it's, playing great ball. They are playing great ball. Did you see that? I think it was the post, I think. I'll have to see if I can find it and we can 
put it up on the uh, podcast Twitter account, but they did a collection of, um, of the best dance moments so far in the dugout dance parties. <laughs> and it's oh, you're going to have to tweet I, that out. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to find it and tweet it out. It was hilarious. I know not a lot of people can get, you know, have the, can get past the paywall on the post, but I'll tweet it out for the people who can. But yeah, there are some pretty good moments in there. Um, Dozier seems to have a lot of the good ones. I don't know if you saw his salsa dance the other day. That one was pretty good. No, I did not see that. I uh, was yeah. a little concerned when he was twerking on the trainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of his some of his moves have been a little questionable. It's true, but uh, yeah, he's. I, I I feel like he's actually kind of turned me. I've I've become a Dozier fan. I'm gonna just come out and say it. Like I like that guy. He's fun. Wow. So yeah, I know. At the beginning of the season, I was just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. We'll see what he does, but. Even though he's been at times really good and at times really not good, um, he seems like he seems like he's fun and he's keeping along with Para. You know, he seems to be one of the personalities in the in the clubhouse that's really keeping the team kind of loose and happy. Amen. So, I like that guy. <laughs> All right, Amen. So, uh, what else happened this week? The 2020 schedule was announced. You want to go over that for us? Yes. So. Um, in case you guys didn't see it, the Nat schedule was released for next year, and it's honestly really weird. So the Nats start the season out on the road. They go Mets, Marlins, and then they open up against the Mets, and then they play the Marlins again. So their first, like, I don't know, 14 games are against two teams. Um, and then they go on the West Coast road trip. They go Dodgers, Mariners, Cubs, Dodgers. Again, I guess they're going to knock out that entire thing. Um, they don't play Atlanta until June, 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 and they don't play the Phillies until July, which is very, very weird. So strange. I don't know. Like the schedule makes no sense this year. Um, notable series though, the World Series champions, Houston, Houston Astros, are going to come here over Fourth of July weekend. So that should be a very fun series. Um, and then they have a lot, a lot of road games in August, but. The most interesting thing to me about this uh, schedule is 26 of their final 28 games are against the Mets, Atlanta, Philly, Miami. They got 26 of 28 against their divisional opponents. The other two are the Orioles. So if this team, you know, say next year they're struggling late August, don't worry, guys, because they literally have 30 games against their division to make up whatever ground they have to make up. That is a super weird schedule it's very weird the brave schedule is also weird i think their first like 12 games are a west coast road trip god that is strange yeah to get the west coast road trip out of the way so early is a little bit strange it might be nice to catch the dodgers before they round into midseason form oh yeah i know before they become the monster that they always are but it's a very interesting schedule um i usually don't see it like this not mixed up Especially playing divisional opponents not until June and July. Like they don't yeah, they don't play Philly strange. until the right before the All Star break, and then right after the All Star break. So hey, just Philly, Philly, <laughs> just Philly, Philly. Yeah, it's very odd. I uh, I'm not sure what it's gonna. You know, it just depends. It's this year has kind of made me gun shy. Like they were so bad, and we were all writing them off for dead in May and you know now here we are in August having an entirely different conversation so as we know baseball is a long season but it's sure going to be interesting when um, that last month of the season rolls around next year to see I mean where they are because if it's close like this it's going to be a wild ride at the end of the season 
September baseball is always more fun, and your entire month is divisional opponents. That's just double the drama right there. But yeah, there is one terrible part of the schedule that I lost sleep over. The Nats go to L.A. to play the Angels this year. It's not at home. I'm, I am absolutely devastated. Wow. Because now I can't see Mike Trout in person, and my heart is broken over it. Yeah, that's tough. I guess you could go to L.A. I mean, I'm going there for the Watch All-Star that. game. Uh, so do I really want to do two L.A. trips? I think yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a big L.A. fan, but I might go to get to see the Nats play the Angels. That would be fun. Uh, I've never been, but I heard L.A. sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. I lived in California <laughs> for a while. Not in L.A. North, but yeah. yeah. L.A. does kind of uh, you're gonna You get think the traffic LA is bad here? Mad. I know, I know. It's true. I shouldn't have said that out loud. I should have just thought it to myself. <laughs> yes. All right, so I shouldn't have been honest. Honesty will just get you hate on Twitter. Yeah, what the heck, Amanda? <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about Ryan Zimmerman. He gave a an interview to the MLB Network this week, which is pretty interesting. Did you get a chance to read it? Um, I read through it quickly i i read through the first two questions asked about his future and i really liked his answers the rest i didn't really pay attention to yeah they kind of start out just talking about his foot which he's got plantar fasciitis for those of you who don't already know um he had it before but in the other foot so this is i thought at first that this was just a continuation of the previous problem but it's not it's uh it's actually in the other foot which i didn't realize um he has been i guess did he have his i did he have his rehab assignment or i know he's about to start one either he's about to start one or he just did start one i think he's about to start it yeah so they ask him though they get kind of right into it and ask him like how many more years do you think you're going to be playing ball and he basically says he's willing he literally quote i'm willing to come back and do one year year by year for a lot less money i don't think the money matters to me anymore i just want to continue to play baseball and keep playing baseball in dc I'm lucky that my kids are here. My family's here. I can continue to play. When we're home, I can get up and take my girls to school and do things other people are not as fortunate to do. As long as I still have the love for the game and still have the drive and the will to work as hard, then I think I can be productive. More importantly, just help us win. So that's an interesting thing. He basically came right out and said, I'm willing to come back for a lot less money, which everybody knows it would have to be, but people don't usually just come right out and say it like that. I'm going to call him a damn liar saying it's not about the money because it's always about the money for whoever it is in the world that we're talking about. But I don't know. I I really like that answer because it showed he was in tune with the situation and shows that he cares about this franchise. He wants the best for it. And he understands if he's making a lot of money, that doesn't make a lot of sense because that's less money to expend elsewhere. And he's just a down-to-earth good guy who understands his situation. He knows his future at the club is a big question mark right now. He's probably not going to be an everyday guy. And he's like, look, I'll come back year by year until I'm done. I'll take uh, four or five million dollars and I'll be okay with it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I really like that answer from him. <laughs> I did too. And there's one more, um, I hate to just read, but there's one more chunk I want to I wanna read out for you so that we can chat about it. And people who haven't read the article will know what we're talking about. Um, the interviewer asks him, you talked about how you're willing to play on a year-by-year basis. Are the Nationals willing to do it that way? This is why I found this part interesting. He says, we haven't talked yet. I have a team option left on my contract, and it's going to be more than what the team is willing to pay for next year. Again, very good awareness from him. Um, 
back to the quote. Right. I say this without even having a conversation with Mike Rizzo or Mark Lerner or Ted Lerner or any of those upper level people. But our relationship throughout the years has always been great. The Lerner family have been nothing but good to me and my family. Um, Talks about Rizzo for a while. Um, But this is the other part I wanted to read. For me, I'd like to play on a one-year deal and have someone like Matt Adams here as well so we could each play whatever, whether it's 90 games that I play or 100 or 80, whatever. I just want to stay healthy and win. That's all I really care about. The most Nats Ah. thing ever is I have no idea I haven't talked to him yet just because I feel like it's the Nats. (laughs) Because why wouldn't they have talked to me about this yet? (laughs) Yeah, why would you ever talk to uh, an impending free agent? You no, know, it's not like they have any big impending free agents this year or anything. But no, I mean, that's just great social awareness. Like I said, he understands he's not an everyday player anymore. He understands his financial impact that he could have on the team. And he's just like, dude, I just want to play. I don't, I just want to win. And I don't know. I mean, I always bash on Ryan Zimmerman just because it's fun and people get mad, but the dude, he's a stand-up guy. You can't he's really argue that. He's a terrific human. He really is. And this interview really solidified that, that he's just a great human being. Yeah, he really – and you see so many times where guys will say, I really just want to help the team win. But no, you don't. You really want to get you know, the most money you can, and if that means the team isn't as good around you, a lot of them don't really care. And that's not even a bash on them. Everybody's out to make the most money that they can. The teams are you yeah. know, going to – are going to get rid of you the minute you're not productive. And as a player, you should try to get everything you can when you can. I totally get that. But this feels so genuine from him that he really doesn't care if they have to bring him back on a cheap deal. He just wants to play and he just wants to win. And I hope he can get back to it. I hope he can get right to a point where he can be productive because we've all seen that when he's right, his bat can carry the lineup. He's, you know, he's not what he once was, but he can still, when he's healthy, be a good contributor. And this just, I don't know, this just kind of hit me like I would hate to see him go out like this. I would hate to see this injury be the last thing that we see of Ryan Zimmerman for the Nats. That that just sucks after everything he's meant to this franchise. Yeah. I mean, it kind of also sounds like an early goodbye as well. Like, he knows the end is near. And he's kind of just saying, like, the stuff the aging vet always says who doesn't want to go. But he knows the franchise is about just, like, shut the door on his face because it's a business. That's also kind of what it sounded like. Yeah, it did have a little bit of that to it. But anyway, if you haven't had a chance to read it, um, we can tweet out the link for this too. But um, for those of you listening, it's an MLBnetwork.com. Um, you can find the article. There's a lot more to it than the parts we read. But anyway, um, okay, so let's talk. This one's a fun one. Um, five best fun moments. Segment. Right, fun segment. Five best moments you've seen live at Nats Park. Yeah, so, I don't know. That's so, a good one. I don't have to come up with five. Um, I probably should have told you before, so you had time to think about. It, but now you're on the spot. Well, please think. Um, yeah. Well, so this could be games, individual performances, accomplishments, walk-offs, anything and everything. Um, I have my five ready. I have Nick's five. So we can start with oh, you. You suck. You guys didn't tell <laughs> me this. I don't have this ready to go. <laughs> All right. Well, one is obvious. This one doesn't. I don't need to think about it. You guys suck. Is um, the Bryce Harper winning the home run derby? That's the top. I mean, there's no. Wow, that, that is also Nick moment. and I's number one moment. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. It was electric. If those of you who weren't there, you should have been there because it's the thing you're going to tell your grandkids about if you were there. It was unreal. I have been in Nats Park for a lot of big moments, but that 
was, I've never felt the ballpark like that before. It was absolutely just magical. It was so good. I mean, the we were in like the section above the bullpen right field, and you can actually feel the stands were like actually moving because everyone was jumping up and down. Um, one of the most fun nights of my life. That was absolutely incredible and so much fun that I've invested. I'm going to invest a lot of money just so I can go to another home run derby in LA just to try to experience it like that again. And if you've never, never been to a like home run derby, again. oh, it won't. It won't. Not at all. But like, if you haven't been, go to a home run derby. It's so much fun. And then, of course, you know yeah. everything Bryce did, it was pretty cool as well. Right, and it was it was the hometown thing. It was the it was the fact that it was Bryce. It was the fact that it was at Nats Park. It was it, you'll never replicate it. No, so I mean was that, it was, was incredible. That, one of, that was one of Nick's too. <clears throat> yeah, that was Nick's. That was Nick and I's number one moment as well. All right, so now I'm racking my brain trying to think of another one. Um, my okay, Anthony Rendon's first big league hit. Not a moment that gets Ooh. a lot of attention, but I was there for that Ooh. game when he got called up and saw his first big league hit. And I was like, um, that kid's going to be pretty good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. I did not think yeah. of that. Um, for my number five moment, we're, we're going a little outboard here, but my number five, I had max 20K game and the 300K game. Um, I was at both, so I thought that was pretty cool. The 300K was pretty cool to be there after that, like five minutes later. I was like, meh, but hey, I was still there for both of them. And then Nick's number five is the all-star game. Oh yeah, that's on my list too. That's on my list too. It's uh yeah, there's just it's just hard to top something like that. You know, it's just seeing all the seeing all the players, like the, the names you see on Sports Center on the highlight reels every night, all in the same place at the same oh, yeah. time. How do you how do you get around that? It wasn't like a specific moment, but just the whole experience of the whole all star week being at Nats Park was awesome. Oh, it was incredible. I can see why they move it around all the time to different cities because it's such an experience for the fans in each city. Just but, keep that in that spark over here. Yeah, I would be down for that. I would be down <laughs> for that. All right, what's your next one? Um, so my number four is MLB debuts. Um, I was at the game where Ian Desmond came off the field in the middle of the inning to pass the baton to Trey Turner. Um, I saw Lucas Giolito's first start. Reynaldo uh, Lopez's, Joe Ross. I saw Soto's first AB and first start. Also Robles's first start. And then I was there for Bryce Harper's home game. So I've seen a lot of pretty cool ones, except for Steven Strasburg's. Um, yeah, I wish I had yeah, been there for that so, one. I was so there for that one with Lucas Giolito. That was one of the ones I was going to bring up. The Lucas Giolito's debut was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It's um, yeah, It's a little sad now. It is, you know, because Eaton is just absolutely horrible. He didn't do anything this weekend. And now we just got to see Lucas Julio being great. Yeah, I know. Change your mind? I, every, time, every time I see Lucas Julio being great, I'm, like, torn between being happy for the kid and being pissed off. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm not um, bitter. Nick's, that's the important thing. Exactly. That's all that matters is not bitter. We are not a bitter podcast. Um, Nick's number four was Flores Strasburg back-to-back home runs. I don't remember this one, but it happened apparently. So, <laughs> so there you go. There yeah. you go. I'm all right. I'm still over here trying to think of another one. So sorry, right. I didn't get the heads up on this segment. You can go next. I put Amanda on the spot and kind of did her dirty. So I'll go through Nick and I's. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Nick I don't I's. So Nick's number three was Strauss's MLB debut. 
Um, the most oh, he hype was there. pitching prospect. He was there. The most hype pitching prospect debut. I saw a little documentary MLB Network had about it. Felt like I was there all these years later. So that was I've his heard it three. so many times. Like heard the audio of it and seen it so many times. You almost feel like you were there. Exactly. So like I'm just gonna tell people I was there too. Um, and then my number three was Ryan Zerman's first career home run against the Yankees. And then when Ryan Zerman hit his 10th career walk-off home run, which was also against the Yankees, I was at both those moments. The first one was the comeback against the Yankees. And the other one was when Andrew Miller had a zero ERA. I was at both. I thought that was pretty cool. That is Um, cool. And then number two for Nick is Ryan Zerman's walk-off in the inaugural game of Nationals Park. A lot of Ryan Zimmerman on this list. Actually, a lot of Ryan Zimmerman on the show today for you, Ryan Zimmerman stands. Um, yeah. And then yeah. my number two, the most forgotten playoff moment in Nationals history was Jose Lobatone. Go ahead, three-run home run against Rich Hill in game two against the Dodgers. My man's had a swinging bunt with the bases loaded the innings uh, his at-bat earlier. I was furious. Then... Literally, no one expected this. Three run ding dong into the left field bullpen was pretty cool. Uh, they it actually won that game too. Moment. See, everyone forgot about it. I was there, and then Melanson got the save. It was actually a really fun game because the game was rained out, pushed today, so I had to go to Nats Park two days in a row. I did not complain. I work harder than Sean Doolittle. So that is my oh, number two. Wow. Moment. You're yes. riling people up right now with that. Yes, I really am. But I I do have an honorable mention in case Amanda is not good to go yet. <laughs> um, so Easter 2017 was a very memorable game against the Phillies. Bryce Harper hits the go-ahead run in the seventh inning. The Nats bullpen does what the bullpen does, and they blow it in the eighth and the ninth inning. I'm saying they're very angry because the Nats are about to lose. But then Bryce Harper hits a walk-off home run for them to beat the Phillies on Easter, and it was pretty cool. There, the whole fam crowd was really into it that day. So that's my honorable mention. Well, I have one more that I've thought of, and I'm I was trying to find the date on it because I can't remember. But it was it was a walk-off homer from Rendon, and I can't remember when I was there. I just it wasn't even a big game; it was just like a random night. But everybody had left because they were down in the ninth and then he hit the walk off. And that was a really cool moment because you don't, you just don't get to see that live very often. Unless you go to a whole lot of baseball games, you don't get to watch a lot of walk off homers. So that one's exactly. good. I, I don't have any good playoff memory moments because a, the Nats always suck in the playoffs. They never get out of the first round, but I went to both in 2017 game one and game five and they were hey, awful. Oh, wait, no. So, I went to one and two. Um, yeah, and I have wait, to say, no. Game 5 in the 2017 might have been my worst moment. Like, if we had another list where we did our worst moments live at Nats Park, that game when Max came in, and that, that, that awful, horrible inning when Max came in in Game 5 was just probably my worst, my <laughs> lowest moment as a Nats fan, and certainly the worst moment I ever saw live. Um, yeah. 2017, forgot, that was the Cubs. I went to Game 1 that year, and that's when uh, Strauss pitched his life out, and then Rendon bottled the ball at third, and the Cubs took the lead. So they lost. Wow. I was really irritated. And then game two was yeah. like an epic game with like two clutch home runs. I was like, oh, yeah, and I wasn't there for that one. I don't go course, to. Yeah. <laughs> but you were there for game five. I was there for one and five. That's the games I went to. Yeah, because I'm apparently really that's good at picking. Matters. 
the games. Yeah, I went to one playoff game for the Caps last year, and it was the game seven where they lost in double overtime. I am a curse, apparently, Ooh. when I go to I went to game one games. and two, and they won. I'm yeah. trying to think of my record. Wow. I, I Not very good. Well, Nats, you know, the playoff record is very good. So, but no, no, Nats fan has a very good record in playoff games. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a whole bit of sadness. Yeah, it is. Um, and well, you know, you never know. Every year is it, it's always a new it's always a new ball game. Pardon the pun. When uh, <laughs> when you get to the playoffs, you know, nobody has a record, and you're just starting from scratch. I have uh, I have was... hope for this year after watching what the what the lineup can do when they get hot and it's making me scared. Like I'm starting to feel, okay, it's mid August. The Nats are looking good. They're in the top wild card spot. Everybody's talking about them on the MLB network radio. When I'm in my car, I'm starting to feel hope and it's scaring me. Hope is the worst feeling, especially when we're talking about the DC sports teams. Exactly. I am a lifelong DC sports <clears throat> fan. Hope hurts me. It makes me scared. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, well, how many times can you get kicked in the nads before you stop wanting to, I hate to root for your team. Like how many times can someone that... just like? Be good. Oh, I was gonna say, how... it's it, you know, you hear these people from towns like Boston who complain when their teams don't, you know, oh, they did this. this. I'm like, just shut up. You've got enough. You've had enough. So I, if I could get a third as many as they've had in the past twenty years, I think I'd be good for the rest of my life. Like, I'm just um, people have no right to ever complain about anything. Boston almost swept the big four sports, and they won two of them. That's more like final appearances than any DC sports team has, like, made in my right. life. Right. Like, until the <laughs> Caps got to the Stanley Cup finals last year, like, when was the last time a team even got to the finals from DC? It was, like, 30 years I mean, like ago. I like, the Redskins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was 20, however many years ago that was. So many years I've stopped counting. I don't even... I'm at least lucky that I'm old enough to remember the Redskins winning Super Bowl. If you're a younger DC sports fan, you've got nothing. I got Dan Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry about your luck. That was sorry about your yeah, luck. That was my. Gift. But we got the caps last year, so at least we got something. That's true. That's true. Um, so we want to hear from you also. So anyone listening to this, tell us your five or five favorite moments. Um, you're gonna have a little more time prepared than Amanda did. So apologies that, that for that one. Not cool. <laughs> I com- I completely forgot we were doing this. <laughs> I'm just here reading the spot. I'm like, oh look at that. There you, you can see how much we prepare for this podcast. <laughs> Well, you can see All how right. much one of us doesn't prepare. <laughs> well, a heads up. All I needed was a heads up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Oh, I thought of another one, and it's not even a – it's not really oh. even a top – like an accomplishment from somebody else. Getting to go last year for the season plan holder thing where you got to go actually, like, take batting practice on the field and, like, throw in the bullpen and stuff was so much fun. My husband and I kept going to the batting cages to prepare, and – I still, you know, it was awful. There's video, which will never see the light of day because I look like a fool. Oh, no, we need to see that. (laughs) No, 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 no. But I did actually make contact with a ball that got almost to first base. So, I I mean, I'm practically, I'm practically. You're Jan Gomes. Exactly. (laughs) Almost got to first base. You can call me Jan from now on. That's fine. Call me Jan. Oh, and the (laughs) the Caps coming to Nats Park was pretty cool. After that. Yes, I couldn't go that day i was so pissed because i had a bunch of work to do but my husband took my son and daughter down there my two younger kids so i got to live vicariously through all of his text <laughs> that day while he while i was at work god damn it oh <laughs> anyway i know it's a family podcast um twitter <laughs> questions 
So yes. um, at Nick underscore Johnson 99, nice, said, why not call up Contos or Holland? This is a reference to Kyle McGowan coming up today. Um, I think that was solely because Kyle was in Richmond. And I think so, too. If geography and, is why. That's the answer yeah. to the question. <laughs> so it was like, hey, someone a 90-minute drive or someone who has about a 90-hour flight just to get over here because flying to Fresno is the most inconvenient thing in the history right. of the world. Right. And then we'll get here and be you know, jet-lagged for three days once they arrive. And yeah. we'll, yeah. by the time hey, they uh, get over the jet lag, they'll be back in Fresno. You got back at you got in at five a.m. It's one o'clock now. Yeah, go go throw three innings, dude. Go get him, champ. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not fair exactly. to anyone. Nope, definitely not. Okay, the next question is from at Supreme Skins, who says, "How did you become the leader of Nat's Twitter?" <laughs> yes, um, finally you just put this in here because you. <laughs> Someone so that's a, if, if for you guys listening, if you work. ever want to get on this podcast with your question, just flatter Ryan and you'll get on here. Like <laughs> <laughs> hey, I put these questions in. I saw that and I was like, ah, oh, shucks. Um, you know, it's, it, it took a lot of hard work and dedication. You know, I, I had a huge, I went viral this weekend for all my tweets. I got like 1500 likes. No biggie. Um, and just Not a lot of counting, hard work, right? dedication. No, 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 no. I don't check it all the time. Um, just, you know, understanding the market and just knowing my audience and my friends to help become their leader. And yes, that's They're how it leader. happened. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, cool story, bro. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so there you go. If you ever need to get on here, you guys know how to do it now. All right. Uh, at Nathan Britton underscore says, who fills closer role and are we worried about you being completely shot? 10 days off is nice, but once he comes back, can we trust him? We kind of touched on this earlier. Yeah, we we did. Um, like I said, closure by committee while he's gone. Just go by situation, whatever is happening, um, and just see who does the best, and then just stick with that person. We're not going to have a choice. Like We're going to have to trust Dulo just because the comments Davey has made, he's going to be their guy. So we're just going to have to... Just pray that Dulo figures everything out and he comes back. See what happens. (laughs) Just hold on to your butts and just hope old dude comes back. Yeah, and you know what? That actually reminds me of something my husband and I were talking about last night when we were watching the game, and obviously they ended up losing. But, you know, this team is just so much fun to watch that it. if there's one thing being a D.C. sports fan has taught me over the years is that being relevant – and even making the playoffs is nothing that you can, especially the Redskins, you know, is nothing that you can count on. And if you've got a team that's fun to watch, you know, you always hear people say like, oh, wake me up when they make the playoffs or when they win a playoff series and stuff like that. And I just, you know, baseball is a really long season. If you can't enjoy the regular season because you're worried what might happen in the postseason, like, I don't know what to even tell you. You know, baseball, it's not for you. a team is, yeah, if, if, if you've got a team who's playing as well as the Nats are and who are as much fun to watch as the Nats are right now and who, who really fight and they don't, like you mentioned earlier, Ryan, they don't, they don't lay down and die when something bad happens. You know, they just shake it off. Like last night's game, they just came out today like nothing had happened. And those, those demoralizing losses are hard to shake off. And I, I think teams in the past may not have. You, know, you would have seen a hangover from it today. And I don't know. This team is fun to watch and we're lucky to have that even if it, again, doesn't work out in the postseason. And I don't think this team, even as good as they can be at times, is built for a deep postseason run this year. But I'm sure it's all going to enjoy every second of it. 
while we're getting ourselves yeah. there. Maybe they'll surprise us. You know, the Nats the, or the Caps team last year, I didn't think was the best of the teams they've gotten into the playoffs with, and they went the whole way. So who the hell knows? You know, that was the Caps team that won the Stanley Cup was like after they had the, the offseason when they lost everyone. Everyone's like, oh, this team's done. The Caps aren't going to do anything. They lost too many people. No one expected anything. LOL. No one expected anything with this Nats season just because they lost Bryce Harper. And I was like, can they really get over that? They started off terribly. We've seen the lows. We've seen the highs. This team's resilient as hell. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? But we've seen very hard, very, very hard to watch. And now we have a team that's actually really, really fun to watch right now. And I don't know. I think September is going to be great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun stretch run regardless of what the outcome is. It's going to be it's going to be entertaining and, you know, we're going to have something to watch on our TVs that's worth watching. So that's not nothing. All right. Amen, so sister. I guess the answer to the answer to Nathan's question is can we really trust him? I don't know, but we're going to whether we should or not. It's probably the, the way that's going to play out. And our worst tweet of the week is not a tweet. So that's fun. Um, can I get, there we go. There's, there's my drum roll. Um, Davey Martinez did not tweet this. He said it in his post-game presser, but that Doolittle is still the closer, or pre-game presser, when he comes back, and he hasn't let anyone down. Now, we've talked about Doolittle a lot here, and the idea, like, we all love him. We're not saying we're Doolittle haters, or, you know, we think he's cooked forever, but the idea that he's still the closer without any competition, and that he hasn't let anyone down is, well, it's just I mean, he's he's got his man's back, but I agree. And this is just a week off for everyone because you guys came in hot this week. There were some feisty takes on Twitter, and I could not decide which one to do, and I forgot where they were, and I couldn't find them again. So everyone gets a week off, and we just get to make fun of Davey. <laughs> I love that you say that after you talk about how hard you work to prepare for the podcast, and you're like, I don't know where they went, and I couldn't find them, and so I just. Hey, uh, what's your what's your top five moments, Amanda? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I wasn't judging you. I was just pointing out. Just saying. <laughs> oh, hey, I just realized I didn't stop in the middle and do our spiel. Sorry, Dom. Um, uh... Anyway, so there you go. I'm just gonna do the one at the end. So you got anything else before we do that? Nah, let's uh let's enjoy the ride. All right, good answer. Um, okay, so that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, we will have Nick back next week, so you'll get to hear him insult me. I'm sure at least once. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed the show, and if you did, you can please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, leave us reviews; we really appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can get Nick and Ryan at DC Natchak. And you can find the show at Half Street High Heat. Um, if you want to join the DMV Sports Network, they're always looking for writers and podcasters. So you can check them out, DM them on Twitter, or um, you can contact them through the website at dmvsportsnetwork.com. And that should just about do it. You guys have a great week. Everyone listening, and Ryan, hey. you have a great week too. You as well. I will not forget to tell you about segments next week. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Oh, and for everybody who's still listening, if you haven't turned this off yet, we have a really big interview coming up this week that we're going to put oh, out yes. on, on next week. So should we tell them or big should we make it a coming. surprise? No, nah, we'll, we'll make a surprise. Let's see it on Twitter.com. All right. Twitter.com. That's the website. Yeah. So find our big thing. All right, guys. <laughs> later, Take yeah. care. Talk to you later, Ryan. Give me the bridge now. <laughs>
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.